hello and welcome back to anointed fire my name is tiffany Buckner, and today's message is dear mama choose god and not your man now notice that i use the word mama which means that there is someone who is dependent on you uh, for their growth their maturity and how they're going to perceive the world and of course i'm dealing with natural moms but i'm also dealing with spiritual mothers and uh, fathers of course but i want to talk about a story i literally just sat there and thought about this or what have you and don't worry guys i'm not traumatized by this or any of the events in my life i just honestly i find them very interesting and um it may be weird for me to say this but i'm glad i went through a lot of the stuff that i went through i didn't like it at the time it was scary at the time uh it was traumatizing and tormenting at the time uh, but now i'm able to extract revelation from it and i'm able to help so many people so that's the reason why i'm relatively happy that i went through it so i don't know what spawned this thought because i'm actually just waking up from a nap but i started thinking about my mom's ex-boyfriend maybe because i was talking about him on yesterday but i was thinking about um her ex-boyfriend and a lot of the crazy stuff that he did and my mom would sit back and tolerate it and i told a story on yesterday uh, via youtube with my mom well my mom had this boyfriend that was living with her and the guy was a bomb he was a complete bomb um before he had got with my mom he was living with his sister because he had nowhere to go he was working at a church and he continued to work at this church, not serve at a church, not him going to church and saying, hey, I love uh, the message here. Let me help out. Uh, but he was working at a church as security as that church. Um, and he was getting paid like a hundred dollars every week or every two weeks because he only was there like two days out of the week, um, sometimes three days because he would and only for like two hours at a time. Um, and so that was what he did primarily. My mom was working two jobs. So honestly, it was as if she didn't have a man. And I don't even understand the purpose of having him around besides the fact that she had flushed her, her self-esteem down the toilet. So this man, he was a big old tall guy, a uh, big healthy guy. And I remember one of the things was that he would just, he was really flirtatious toward us. And, you know, we had already dealt with a lot of um, molestation and crazy stuff growing up. And, you know, my sister and myself being adult women, it was not fun. Now, thankfully, I wasn't living there at the time. Um, I had when my mom first got with him, I was married when my mom um, when they finally broke up, I was married again. So I had ended up being married two times. So um, my little sister used to tell me all of these stories because she was living there. She used to tell me all these stories, these perverted things that the guy would do. For the most part, my mom had one bathroom in her home. And this guy, what he would do is he would try to act like he didn't know anybody was in that bathroom. And the bathroom door, I mean, if anybody's in the bathroom, they would close the door. But he wouldn't knock. What he would do is he would just walk up in there. And he'll say, oh, I didn't know you were in here, what have you. And the door didn't lock. Um, so whenever you were inside the bathroom, your best out was to put that hook on the door. And even that, you know, it would still have the door cracked a little, a little bit. Um, so my sister had had a few encounters and my sister thankfully was, and I don't want to say thankfully, but my sister was aggressive enough to kind of put him in his place or what have you. So she cursed him out many times and, you know, just got really, really aggressive with him many times, um, to, you know, to kind of let him know that she wasn't the one. Um, and that was that when I left, I tried to leave my ex, my first ex, I tried to leave him one time because my, my ex was, my husband at the time was abusive. So, you know, I knew I needed to leave him. He was an abusive cheater, what have you. So one time I tried to leave him. I had it in my head. I'm leaving for good. I'm not coming back. 
I'm not going back to him or what have you. But at that time, the only, you know, I was working at AT&T. I didn't have a lot of money coming in. I mean, AT&T was paying me decent, but I, I couldn't afford the stuff that I had. And that's a story within itself, but I couldn't afford all the stuff that I had. So I literally had nowhere to go, but to my mom's house. I had a friend at the time that I can go to her house, but it would be temporarily. And even then, I don't think she had offered anyhow. So I left my ex. I went back to my mom's house. I packed my stuff, you know, some of my stuff went to my mom's house and I had it in my head. I'm not going back to this man because I don't want to die at his hands or what have you. So I went to my mom's house. And my mom was at work because my mom was working two jobs. Um, went to this, went to her house. My sister wasn't there. Um, the only person that was there was my mom's boyfriend. And that's when I got a chance to encounter what my sister had been encountering for years. Um, I went, you know, first and foremost, it would just be feel really odd. Like if I was in a room with him, he would just keep moving around. And he'd keep trying to get, you know, like real silent, unusually close or what have you. It was just weird vibes. So, I was afraid. I'm trying to see what incident this. Oh, no, the, the first incident. I went. What did I do? No, this is when I went to bed. This is not the shower incident. I went to bed and I slept in my sister's room that night. Um, When I went to bed, I, you know, my sister's room, my mom's house is full of doors. And so my sister's bedroom, there was a door that led to this other middle bedroom. And there was a door in the middle bedroom that led to a small hallway. And it was right across from my mom's room. And then to the right, there was another door that led to the den that led to the kitchen. So it was one of those old houses that had a lot of doors in it. So the message is there were two doors that led into my sister's room. And I remembered all the stuff my sister had told me. And I remembered all the vibes I got from this guy every time I was around. Um, And I was uncomfortable with the fact that, you know, my mom, wasn't there. My sister wasn't there, but oh, well, I had it in my head. I needed to leave that guy. My, I went to bed. I locked both of those doors and thankfully both of those doors could lock. I locked both of those doors and I remember falling asleep. It was hard for me to fall asleep, but I remember falling asleep. And finally what woke me up was the sound of the door. And I'm laying there in pitch darkness. And you know, when you're dark in a dark room, the other room, when there's light in the other room, you can see the shadow of the feet. And I could see the shadow of his feet at that door. And I saw the doorknob. You know, I started paying attention to the doorknob. I I could hear the doorknob. And the doorknob was twisting. You know, he was trying to twist the doorknob to get up in there. And he did that quite a bit. And he was just messing with the the, the handle of the door, what have you. And I was really scared. I was really uncomfortable. And I was like, "Uh, can I help you? And he didn't say anything. And he walked away from the door. Um, And this happened like a couple of times that night. And I made up my mind. Now, here it was. I was in an abusive marriage. Um, I literally didn't feel like I had anywhere to go. So I literally felt like I had to choose between potentially being killed by the man that I was married to, which and at, at that time, I didn't feel like I was too in danger because when you're inside the situation, you really don't think that you're in danger, even though everybody else is telling you to run for your life or to potentially be raped. You know, that's what I felt like, be raped or harmed by my mom's boyfriend. I chose to go back to what was familiar to me. And it wasn't one of those situations where I was looking for a reason to go back. This was the one time I had made up in my mind that I'm not going back. But the next morning I went back to that house. Um, I went back to the house I had been living in because I was terrified of living with my mom. So fast forward, um, me and the ex, finally, we get a divorce probably several months later. We, well, several months later, we break up. 
and I move into my best friend's house at the time. And, you know, thankfully that was her petition. And it was because of that previous incident, because like I said, I, you know, it was something that she had never extended to me before, which she didn't have to, because she had two children. Uh, but she had extended the offer. She was like, when I told her, you know, I, I was going to go ahead and go back to my mom's house uh, because my house was being foreclosed on. So me and my ex had broke up. I filed for divorce. I had a restraining order against him. And I didn't have anywhere to go but my mom's house. So uh, my friend girl, she had helped me to pack up my other house and what have you. And she told me, she said, Tiffany, you can come live with me. You know, sleep on the mattress on the living room floor until you get on your feet. You know, you don't need to go to your mom's house because, you know, your mom's boyfriend will call him Duke. But she was like, you know how Duke is and you know your mom, how your mom is with Duke. Um, So you really don't need to go to that house. And I was really grateful for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, please. Thank you so much. So I went and I stayed with my best friend at the time. I stayed with her for about, a, I would say, close to two months because I remember paying her rent maybe two times and I made it a point you know because I was so gracious to make I made it a point to try to be the best house guest that I could making sure I cleaned up not just behind myself but helping her with her kids Um, I tried to cook but she just would not you know she would tell me I could cook for myself but she was like you know basically hey don't cook for my kids or what have you I got really uncomfortable over there Uh, not to say that she was doing something bad but I got really uncomfortable I think the thing that made me the most uncomfortable was um she kind of felt like I favored her daughter over her son. And that wasn't the case. Her son was just a lot bigger than her daughter. And the, the apartment was so small. So it was just, I don't want to go into that. Because like I said, you know, one of the things I always tell people, don't go into people's house and then start putting their stuff out on blast or what have you. So, you know, we had, had a, a couple of disagreements or what have you. So I decided I needed to, and at the same time, I was trying to build a business and I couldn't get to the computer. I didn't have, so I decided I had no choice but to go back to my mother's house. Um, so I moved into my mom's house or what have you. And Duke, you know, saw that. And he would, every time, the thing about Duke was, Duke would always be really nice to me. You know, I had my brother and my sister who he pretty much openly hated. Even though, you know, he was always trying to get at my sister, he openly hated them. Um, my brother, for the most part, didn't live there. Um, but whenever he came, Duke would always try to, you know, bully him or what have you. My sister, Duke didn't like her because she would, she was flip lip. She would say whatever she wanted to say. She'd pick up something, be ready to fight, cut or what have you. But, um, he acted like he was cool with me because I was the, the daughter who had a job. Um, I was a daughter who was relatively stable, had her own place. You know, um, I wasn't trying to live off my mom or what have you. So, I move into the house and, you know, he's very talkative to me. He's always, you know, come back and, like, you know, your sister did this and your brother. I don't know. I remember one thing that Duke used to say. Now, mind you, again, he was a bomb living in my mom's house. Um, he didn't have anywhere to go. He wasn't married to my mom. I remember one thing that he used to say was, you know, when your mom died. And I thought that was the cruelest thing. He was like, whenever your mom, you know, because my mom was fighting with cancer. He was like, your mom died. He said, I don't know where your brother and sister going to go because they sure ain't going to stay here. And I decided at one point, I remember I wanted to say something to him. But then I decided that it would not be a wise move. I remember thinking that like if I open my mouth and say to him, you're not married to her. You're not on her deed. You do know that you are not going to be grandfathered into owning this home. And so you're not going to own this home. The home is going to go into go, go to her children because um, we are on the deed. But I, I decided to keep my mouth shut because I realized that he he really wasn't that smart. 
and I didn't want to educate him. So then he ended up taking my mom to a courthouse and marrying her for the sake of getting that house. Because again, he had no property. He had nothing. Um, he didn't have any place to stay. My mom ended, he would be driving my mom's car. He would have to drop and she was working two jobs. He would have to drop her off at work. And she eventually she bought him a van or what have you. So I moved back into the home and I remember this one incident that shook me to my core. I was so upset and I had to really fight with just not hating this man. Um, my mom and my sister were living. Well, obviously my mom was living there, but my sister was living there at the time as well. So I felt relatively safe there. Um, my mom and my sister decided to fly out to St. Louis to visit one of my relatives. I didn't want to go, um, one, because I wasn't a fan of that relative and two, because I was working at AT AT&T at the time. Um, so, you know, they flew out leaving me there with Duke and they were going to be gone for several days to a week. I don't remember, but I just remember they were going to be gone for some time, but they left me there with Duke. And I don't remember all of those days, but I remember this one particular night that I went to the bathroom to take a shower. And I remember the bathroom door, you can't lock it. The only thing you can do is put a hook on it from the inside. And it was a tiny bathroom. So I remember getting up from the computer after having worked all night. I got up from the computer and I remember feeling scared. I just, I just, it felt dark and demonic. It it just didn't feel right. It just felt like ominous. It felt like something was going to happen or what have you. Um, And maybe it was just, you know, me being aware of the fact that I'm about to take a shower and the only place person in this house is Duke. And the last time I was alone with Duke, Duke was trying to get in a room or what have you. And I don't think I had ever had a conversation with him about that. Oh, what have you never, I think I told my mom and you know, she would always brush things off. So I go into the bathroom. I remember passing by my mom's bedroom door and it was odd that her door was shut because my mom you know duke never shut the door they they didn't shut the door when she was there and even when she was gone they just didn't shut the bathroom door and the bathroom was directly across from my mom's bedroom so i go up in there um i anticipate as a matter of fact i wanted to take a shower earlier but i was afraid so i was literally trying to wait on this man to go to sleep so that i could go take a shower so finally i realized i got to get up early in the morning um, I, I'm going to have to take this shower. I think everything should be good. So I get up and I get my stuff and get some towels and stuff. And I, um, tiptoe, you know, I go around and I'm trying to make sure I'm as quiet as possible. So I notice that my mom's bedroom's door, my mom, mom's bedroom door is shut. And I go on into the bathroom. I close the door. I know it is inevitable. Duke is going to hear me. You know, he's going to hear me because I got to cut the bath, the shower, you know, on or what have you. Um, so that's what happened. I get up in there. I get in a shower. I literally am trying to take the quickest shower of my life. Uh, and I like to do two times. You know, whenever I shower, I like, I like the first lather is to get all the dirt, debris, whatever. That's how I feel. The second time is to get the residue. That's just how I feel whenever I'm showering. It's like to get you sparkly clean. So I'm doing a real quick shower up in there uh, because I'm hoping that Duke is in there asleep. And I want to get out of that shower before he wakes up and tries to get into that bathroom. Even though the hook is on the door, um, if you put enough pressure on it, he could break it or what have you. And Duke had already shown me that he was just unstable. Um, So I hurry up. I get I finish my shower. And my first thought is, listen, grab a towel and go press your body up against the door. Literal first thought when I come out the shower. Grab that towel, get that body towel, wrap it around your body as you dry yourself off and lean your body against the door. 
Uh, because again, you can push it. The hook would keep it from opening all the way, but it would open just a little bit. So I put my body up against the door and this is a small bathroom. I put my body up against the door and I'm drying myself off with the towel wrapped around me. I'm trying to be as, cause I'm just going to throw my clothes on. My, my plan is at this particular time, I'm no longer sleeping in my sister's bedroom because my sister is living there. Even though she's out of town, I was sleeping in the, me- the middle bedroom and the middle bedrooms were, were situated um, right between my mom's bedroom and my sister's bedroom. Um, and that was the bedroom that Duke had went into when he was trying to get into my sister's bedroom the first time when I was trying to leave my ex. Um, so I, I go into um, the bedroom and there's two doors again. Remember, there's one bedroom. There's one door that leads to my sister's room and there's another door that leads to the small hallway right across from my, my mom's room. So I lock both doors. I make it a point because I, I matter of fact, I before my mom left. Before my mom uh, went out of town, when I realized she was going out of town, I had known like a couple of weeks before, um, before she left, I had changed the door, the, the doorknobs. I went, I think to Lowe's, bought some new doorknobs and I put new locks on those doors because she had those old uh, locks and stuff like that. Or so I put new locks on those doors so that I could feel safe. So I go on into the bedroom. When I tell you that night was u- uberly demonic, it was demonic, completely demonic. I go into, well... No, I didn't. I didn't go into the bedroom. Fast forward. I mean, rewind. I'm in the bathroom. I got my body pressed up against the door and I'm drying off. All of a sudden, Duke puts his body up against the door on the other side and the door makes boom. And I, I push back as he's pushing forward because I hear the, I feel the door coming open. So I have the instant reaction to push back. I said, I'm in here. This man puts his face up to the crack of the door and said, I'm not trying to come in there. He said it just like that. I'm not trying to face is up against the crack of the door. I'm not trying to come in there. I said, I'm in here. So he stood at the door for a minute. I could tell I could feel him. Um, but I, you know, I'm like, man, listen. So finally he walks away from the door. I wait till I can see his shadow. I throw on my gown. I literally book it, you know, cause the room was right next door. I literally book it out of there after I got my clothes on. I book it out of there and I go into the uh, my bedroom, in the middle bedroom. I go into the middle bedroom. Um, I close the door and I fall asleep. And I think, I don't know if this was two separate incidents. It had to be because the first incident that I had was a wasp got into that bedroom. And I don't know if that was the same night. I think it was another night. A wasp got into that bedroom. And while I was asleep, the wasp was stinging me. And I kept feeling I was sleeping on my stomach and I kept feeling this pain in my back and then I turned over and started this pain in my arm and I kept feeling this pain every time I moved but it stung me like five times before I realized I was being stung and I jumped up because I just kept thinking I was having some type of muscle I was waking up in the middle of the night um I was thinking I was having some type of muscle issue so I jumped up out of the bed cut the light on you know no I I swatted and that's when I felt something fly off of me and I jumped up out of the bed cut the light on and there was a wasp it was um I had hit it so bad I pretty much almost put it in a coma i'm guessing it was laying on the bed it wasn't dead it was moving a little bit but it couldn't move i stunned it I, that's i guess that's the best word i don't think that was the same night i think that was the first night the second night um is the, the incident with uh duke and i think my mom had to be gone they had to be gone like a weekend i don't think they were gone that long so anyhow I run into the bedroom. I lock. I locked the door. One of the doors were already locked. The door between my sister's bedroom and that door, it was already locked. So I go in there. I lock the door. I lock the door, and I 
proceed to go to bed. I don't remember if I got on the phone. I think I told one of my friends what happened or what have you, but I proceed to go to bed. I got to be up. I got to wake up at five because I got to be at work at seven. So I lay down in the bed. I cut off the lights because it's hard for me to sleep with lights on and stuff. I cut off the lights. I pray. And I'm pretty sure I called my best friend at the time. I let her know what happened or what have you to kind of just be on standby. Um, what have you. So she told me, and this is the girl whose house I had lived at. She was like, if you need to come over here, just come over or what have you. And I was like, okay. And she had told me, she said, you know, next time something like that happened, you're best out, you know, um, it's just come stay over here until your mom comes back. So middle of the night, I wake up to the sound of the door handle. <laughs> I wake up to the sound of the door, somebody twisting the doorknob. So I'm literally sitting there watching the doorknob be twisted. And I was like, can I help you? He didn't say a word. He got quiet. He went away from the door for a minute. I lay there. I try to doze back off because I'm tired, you know, because it's like I went to bed like one or two and this is like three or it's like three. I got to get up at five. I'm dog tired. And the job that I had, I worked at AT AT&T. You had to have your full attention. So Duke is at the door. He comes back to the door as soon as I uh, doze off. He comes back to the door and he starts twisting the doorknob. I don't say a word at first. I'm just watching the doorknob twist. Then I hear metal upon metal and I can hear the metal going between the wood. I realize he's trying to pry the door open with a screwdriver or a butter knife or something. And I was like, Duke. And he didn't say a word. I said, can I help you? He got quiet. Then he went around into my sister's bedroom and he started working that door handle and he kept doing that. And I called this and I was like, Duke, and he didn't say anything. So I called um, my two friends at the time. I called um I'm trying to see which one to call first. I remember calling one of my friends. I'll call her T. I remember I called T and T began and T, T was in ministry. And I remember she just began to pray. And, you know, she was like, um, there is a huge angel standing at that door. That's keeping him. She said, I'm, I'm she said, I can see in the realm of the spirit, this big angel standing at the door that's keeping him. So you don't have anything to worry about, but if you can get out of there, get out of there. She said, but there's this big, huge angel at the door that's keeping him from getting in because he means no good. He's trying. He's definitely trying to get in. I knew he was trying to get in because I'm sitting there looking at his, the, the shadow of his feet under the door. Um, and at the same time, you know, I can hear him. So he's going from, he's going from door to door with this screwdriver, butter knife or whatever he had. He's going from door to door. I'm calling. I'm like, can I help you? And then, you know, he will get quiet. He'll go away um, sometimes for a few minutes, 15, 20 minutes or what have you. So I talked to, I talked to T. T's like, do you need me to stay on the phone with you? I said, T, I really got to go to work in the morning. I am tired. I am so tired. Um, she was like, Tiffany, I don't think you're going to be able to sleep there. And T lived out of town. Um, so my other friend, I'll call her um, May. I'll call her May. May lived in town. Now, May's the one I used to live with. And, um, you know, she was the one that told me, hey, you should next time that happens, you just come over here. Because, like I said, you know, I had lived there with her. We just had when we tried to live together. It just didn't work out. She wasn't bad. It was just it didn't work out. So um, after I get off the phone, I get off the phone with T. I think it was T. I, I don't know. Somehow I think we both said, hey, you need to call May and see if you can go to May's house. Now, the thing about May is May has seen me in so many of the most horrific times of my life. When I was with that abusive man, um, May, I used to have to go to flee to her house. At, you know, there were a few nights I had to flee to her house, including the night this man beat me with a belt. 
I had a, I've had an interesting life. You know, it's like this man beat me with a belt or what have you. And May's uh, May mother had been killed by her father. Her dad had been abusive or what have you. And so May, of course, was very passionate about me leaving this man uh, because she was she almost felt like she was watching this same thing. And he had killed her dad when she was her, her dad had killed her mom when she was nine years old, but she felt like she was rewatching it all over again. You know, watching me go through this process, you know, that was uh, ultimately going to lead to my death if I didn't get out the situation or what have you. So when I get off the phone with um, when I get off the phone with T, I'm trying to remember what I called her. I get off the phone with T. I call May. May immediately answers her phone because May knows she was like, and she asked she said, you OK? What's up? What's up? And I said, girl, I said, he came to the door. He keeps trying to get in here. I said, I don't know what he has. I think it's a screwdriver or a butter knife. I said, he keeps trying. She said, Tiffany, you need to leave. Can you get out? And I told her, I said, if I open the door, I give him access to me. And I'm scared. And I'm like, um, she was like, you need to leave. And, I, and of course, I was upset or whatever. She was like, um, you need to find some type of way to get out of there. Where is he now? I said, I think he went back in my mom's room. I said, but, you know, um, I don't I don't know what like, does he have the front door bolt? I don't know what's happening outside of the room. And she was like, OK, she said, stay on the phone with me and, then you know, try to find a window for you to leave. Because she said, you need to leave. You need to get up out of there because um, you know that he has his mind made up on on doing something. Or what have you. So I was like, okay, I, I agree. So I get up and I get dressed and. He heard me on the phone. So, you know, he, he kind of stayed away from the door for a minute. And I was sitting up there. All my stuff was in the room. My, my keys, my purse, everything was in the room with me. And I realized, you know, and I had to grab my, my clothes for work. I realized I'm probably not going to be able to go to work. Um, so finally, and my mom was going to be coming back that day, I think it was. I'm pretty sure she's supposed to be coming back that day. So they supposed to be flying back in that day or what have you. So I waited until 5 a.m. I waited. I think it was like five um, where it had been settled for a while. And, you know, I hadn't heard him for a minute. I waited and I, sl- I, I quietly grabbed my keys in the most silent ways in the most silent way. And I bolted. I grabbed my keys. I put my shoes on my feet and I bolted. You know, I opened the um, door real light. I peeped out of there. I saw that um, the, my mom's bedroom door was closed. I could hear the TV on in the bedroom. And I just took off running. I ran out the front door. Not even sure. I, I doubt if I locked it. I ran out the front door, went, jumped in my car, and I went over to May's house. Obviously, I couldn't sleep that night. I called in to work, even though I knew AT&T would potentially fire my tail. Um, I called. And thankfully, I don't think I, I don't think I had to call in. I asked for e-time. And I explained to uh, the lady at the desk that I'd had a really hard night. And I kind of explained to her what happened. And she ended up giving me because they usually have a excuse time at um AT&T and I was like I really need it or what have you and so that was that I told my mom obviously what had happened and my mom confronted Duke and he he tried to play it off and he was like he doesn't know what I'm talking about or what have you so I you know my mom said all she said was I'll talk to him that was it and I'm thinking to myself talk to him what what the heck are you talking about you'll talk to him <laughs> what are you talking about? You'll talk to him. Um, so when I see her again, when Duke is at the church, because he worked at the church of security, I see her again one day and I was like, why is this man still here? 
And she was like, well, he said that, uh, you know, I being honest, I don't know who to believe. And I was like, mom, you know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm an, an adult woman. I was like, mom, you're wrong for that. You know, I wouldn't lie about no stuff like that. And uh, what have you? She was like, yeah, well, I talked to him and, you know, um, he said he could have been sleepwalking or anything. I said, he wasn't sleepwalking, mom. This is the first time he's done some stuff like this. He's done that to me before. And he's done that to my sister. I said, he's done that to us repeatedly. How many times? What, what do we have to do? We got in a rape. What is it? Why do you keep choosing this man over us? Why? So my mom, she didn't, she was like, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to just try not to leave you at home with him anymore. I'm like, you got to work, you know, cause my mom worked overnight. Um, she was working for this older woman. My mom worked at Mad Gray's and she was, no, she was no longer working at Mad Gray's at that time. I think she was working as a nurse. Yeah. She was working as a nurse. Um, so she worked at a, uh, a nursing home a, as a nurse there as a CNA. And then she worked overnight for this older woman. So I'm like, I got to be there a lot, but my sister typically was there, you know? Um, so that was that, that was honestly, if I can be transparent, you know, um, besides the iniquity that was in me, that was one of the biggest motivating factors that made me rush into another relationship, rush into another marriage, because I didn't, I didn't feel like I could afford to live on my own. I didn't feel like I had anywhere to go. And here was this man that I met and, you know, I had been talking to him and what have you. And so um, I had been, when I moved in um, there, I was going through a divorce from my first ex and I met the next man that I would marry while going through a divorce from my first ex. Um, so we dated during that time. It was outside the will of God. But, you know, I I tried to ju- try to tell myself it wasn't that wrong. Um, what have you. So um, we talked about marriage, all that. And when my divorce was finalized um, and I was talking to him for about a year before my divorce was finalized. But. Uh, when my divorce was finalized, it, it finalized in March of 2008. And I married the ex, the next guy in April of 2008. That's how fast I jumped into another marriage just to hurry up and get out of my mother's home. Um, and then I ended up moving to, I was traveling between my mother's house in Germany, which is where he was living. And I ended up moving to Germany. I was so desperate to get out of that situation. When I tell you it was just, it was a hard thing. So this is the story I ended up telling on YouTube on yesterday. Then I'll get to the point. Um, well, I was living in, while I was living in Germany, my sister called me one day and I'm trying to see how this had happened. My sister called. So as it turned out now, again, this man was a bomb. My mom worked two jobs. He didn't want to pay. The only bill he paid was a water bill. That was it. And um, because, he, you know, he wasn't making that much money. And I'm pretty sure he was making $100 every two weeks and not every week. Um, He wasn't making that much money. And, you know, that was his justification. He's like, he don't make that much money or what have you. My sister called and then I talked to my mom. So it, as it turned out, um, my sister had come home one night. So mind you, my sister was very spotty as well because nobody wanted to stay there with him. Nobody wanted to be alone there with him because he was always trying to get a, get at us one way or another. And then my mom wouldn't do anything about it. You know, I think she was an amazing mom in so many ways. But like I said, somehow she flushed her to- her self-esteem down the toilet. Um, So my sister would go away for days at a time. You know, she would typically have like a boyfriend here or there and she would go away for days at a time. Um, they didn't know when my sister would come back. You know, like my sister was very spotty with, uh, even though she officially lived with my mom, she would just, she would either stay over. Her, uh, she had a best friend's house that she was always over. 
Um, and then at the same time, you know, if she had a boyfriend, she, you know, probably move in or stay a few weeks over to his house, but she just didn't want to come to that house. If my mom wasn't there and my mom was rarely there. Uh, but she would occasionally, um, pop in there and stay the night or she would occasionally, and mostly like if my mom didn't have to work overnight because the old lady she worked for, she typically worked overnight. Um, so she would pop up in there or she would pop up in there like when she needed, uh, to wash clothes, she needed clean clothes or what have you. So my sister, I think she wanted to go out that night. So my sister ha- ends up stopping by the house. And like I said, they never knew when she was coming. My sister had been gone like week, a few weeks at a time. So my sister ends up stopping by my mom's house. Obviously she has the key because officially she lives there. She stops by my mom's house to take a shower to get dressed because she has plans or what have you. She stops by my mom's house and she goes in and my mom had to be at work like 10 or 11. So this is like 12 a.m. My sister stops by there and she says the first thing that she sees is a pair of high heels in the living room on the floor. Now, mind you, my mom didn't wear high heels. She had plenty of them. She may wear them every once in a while to church, but she just honestly, my mom stayed away from high heels as much as possible. So if you saw my mom in high heels, somebody died. You know, uh, my mom just did not wear high heels. She had she typically would wear like dress shoe flats or what have you. Um, and then I, I'm pretty sure these shoes were a little bit too something. I don't know. But my sister sees heels. She know they don't belong to my mom. She says, so that's the first thing that catches her off. And she sees these heels and she sees his shoes, his shoes um, there, you know, next, next to the heels. So my sister says she goes into the other room and gets some stuff. And then she goes into the bathroom, the bathroom again. It was across from my mom's uh, bedroom. And it's very narrow. It's very narrow space. But she, she sees that... Um, my mom's bedroom door closed, it, which again is odd. They just did not close the bedroom door, but the door was cracked. The door was cracked. And I don't think she had went into the bedroom. I think what she did, she came in the house and she went straight to the bathroom. She went straight to the bathroom. And that's when she know the door was, noticed the door was cracked. So he didn't hear her comment. They didn't hear her. They had enough noise going on up in there. So they didn't hear her comment. So my sister notices that the door is cracked. And then she sees a woman's legs. She sees his, this man on top of a woman, his, the woman's legs in the air. So, of course, she gets terrified, right? Uh, she goes into the bathroom. She starts, she proceeds to try to do her makeup, but she's trembling. She's scared. Um, she's like 20-something years old at the time, but, you know, she's, she's trembling. She's scared. Uh, so, my sister, and she says, all of a sudden, she hears a door open, um, and then she, she can see uh she said when she looked up she saw a woman and uh, my mom's boyfriend running out the front door they were i'm booking it you know and mind you he was driving my mom's car or driving a van my mom had bought him so he had bought the woman over there so the woman didn't have a car with her so they booked it out the house and they got into the car what have you and that was that so my sister obviously you know she decided hey let me get up out of here because i don't know what's gonna happen so she gets the rest of her stuff. She leaves. She called my mom. She tell my mom. My mom come back, confronts him. He admits to it um, because he can't lie. And mom puts him out. We think this is the end of Duke finally. You know, um, this man had terrorized us. He had been with my mom at that time for like seven years, living in her house, terrorized us for seven years, you know, and um, didn't get a chance to terrorize me that long because I had been married. Um, but every time I went over there, it was that. But Finally, my sister calls me in Germany, and this is like um, about a month or two. I think about two months after my mom had put Duke out. Now, mind you, I lived in Germany for six months. It's about two months after my 
that, you know, my mom had put Duke, Duke out. So my sister had been telling me, keeping me updated on the situation. And she had told me that uh, Duke would come over there occasionally, you know, in the daytime or what have you. And uh, my mom, she would always make this excuse. Well, you know, uh, we're not together, but I can still be kind to him and what have you. I feel sorry for him. That was my mom's her go-to statement was that she felt sorry for him. He didn't have anywhere to go. He always claimed to be the black sheep of his family or what have you. And my mom would always say, you know, she needed to feed him. So anytime he was coming over, my mom would cook for him because he always said he didn't have anywhere to go. He didn't have anything to eat. And I was like, let that joker sleep on a bench. I'm like that. I said, I see why he's homeless. This man is a piece of crap. Uh, so... My sister calls me one day hysterical. She calls me one day hysterical. And I get the phone. It's nighttime in Germany. And she's like, um, she's telling me what happened. I said, she says, mama just put me out. And I was like, what? She said, mama just put me out. So what had happened? I'm trying to make sure I remember it correctly. What had happened was she said she let Duke come back and she's putting me out. And I said, what? And so she was like, yeah. So what had happened is, again, Duke had been coming over there when my sister would question and my mom would make this justification. Um, and so my sister, my mom came to, into my sister's room one day and she said to my sister, she's like, um, and my, she knew that Duke was sitting in the living room. So my mom comes into the room and she says, um, I need to talk to you. And my sister was like, hey, what's up? And she said, um, so I've been talking to Duke and I decided to go ahead and give him a second chance. So. My sister panics. Obviously, this is terrifying to her. It's not just that she's angry. She's the one that caught him. She's the one that told on him. She's terrified. I can understand her. She's terrified. So my sister jumps up and she starts going. And my mom's like, you're a grown woman. You know, you, you should be living on your own anyhow. So I can do what I want to do in my own house. So my sister, and my mom get into it. My sister was holding a hairbrush in her hand. If I think it was my sister says she threw the hairbrush, not in my mom's direction. She just tossed it and it hit the window and it broke the window. And my mom was like, oh, my gosh, you broke my window. Get out of my house. Get out of my house. She's like, oh, so you let him come back and you putting me out. My mom said, I'm not putting you out for him. I'm putting you out because you broke my window and you have no respect. So my sister's on the phone crying and screaming. And I'm in Germany, so I really can't help. I, and I was like, I said, where's mom? And she was like, at home. And, you know, she was like, I don't know where I'm going to go. This, that, this, that, and the other. And I was telling her, I said, go. She had a friend named Patricia. I said, go to Patricia's house. I said, call Patricia, what have you. She said, yeah, I called her. I said, see if you can go over to Patricia's house or what have you. And I'll take care of this with mom. So I called my mom and I screamed. I called my mom. She answers the phone. I said, so what happened? So she tells me, oh, your sister just disrespectful. She was being disrespectful to me. I said, mom, this ain't about that. You ain't put her out because she was being disrespectful. You didn't. This has nothing to do with the window. You're putting her out because you're trying to bring him back and you want to make him comfortable. And I said, I am so sick and tired. Now, let me tell you something. When it comes to me, I have always been respectful to my mother. I've never raised my voice to my mother. I've always been the one that tried to make sure that, you know what? I always told myself, okay, it's temporary. But this particular day I went in because I was so hurt. I, I, I realized that it, me enduring my mom doing me like that and not doing anything that Duke, Duke was trying to get in at me, even though it was hurtful, I was kind of used to her putting guys before us. But this was my baby sister. This was my baby sister. And I'm like, you know what? You finna put this girl out here to potentially get harmed. So 
I'm on the phone. I said, this has nothing to do. And I'm screaming. I said, I am tired of this. I said, every time I look, I said, you always put these dudes before us. You always put that. I said, ever since you and daddy broke up, you've always done that. And I said, and I told her, I said, and I'm tired of putting you first. I'm tired of this and I'm tired of that. And I said, now you got this girl out here. She don't know where she's going to go. And I said, you're going to send her back out into the, you're going to send her out into the streets. You're going to send her out there to live some type of crazy lifestyle so you can have this bomb in your house. And the dude just got through screwing somebody in your bed, had him in a car, in your car, you know, and I'm like, you're about to put her out. And I told her, I said, mom, I'm done with you. I am done. I said, cause I'm tired of this. And mind you, like I said, I'm hurt. I'm crying on the phone. I said, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of you choosing. And uh, my ex and I, we were supposed to be coming down there in December. So I think this was like, I don't remember. I don't remember what month it was, but I remember we were supposed to be coming down there and that's, she was looking forward to that for us staying with her for two weeks in December. And I told her, I said, mom, and I, I don't like to say this, uh, but I told her that she was no, I, I, you know, she was no longer going to be alive to me. I said, you know, I said to me, you don't exist anymore. I said, because I'm tired of this. I said, so I said, I'm going to give you this. I say, either you put him out. He needs to be out of your house by October. Or I said, I'm not dealing. I said, the whole time he's there, I'm, I have no relationship. And I'm going to tell my sister not to communicate with you. I said, we won't have anything to do with you. I said, since that's what you want, I'm going to let you have your man. I said, but I'm not, I'm, a, I'm not going to let her lose her life and lose her mind over this guy. You know, what have you? My mom, surprisingly enough, was listening. And she was like, I hear you. Now I said, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so, but I said, by October, if he's there, I'm not coming there in December. Cause that house needs to have time to air out for this joker. I said, I'm not coming there. I'm done with you. So my mom said, okay. As I just remember, she kept saying, okay, okay. And about two weeks later, um, I get the word that she, you know, she calls me. She said, well, he's gone. I put him out. He's gone. I, I put him out. He's not coming back. I'm not going to let him come back or what have you. And that started the upward or the building of a relationship between me and my mother. A relationship that had been destroyed so many times um, by her low self-esteem. It hurts me to this day to hear women who choose their men over their children. Now, granted, let me say this. Obviously, when you're married, your husband is supposed to come before your children. But if your children are of age where they have to depend on you, your husband has to be respectful enough to, you know, to take help you take care of them and not put you in a predicament where you feel like you have to choose between the two of y'all. And then you can put, you know, put that order. But if your children were adults like we were, even in that, you still got to make sure that he respects your children and they respect him. It saddens me whenever I hear people tell me that, you know, how their mothers did them or what have you. My mom, I'm, let me say this, because I never want to make her seem like the devil. My mom, the one thing that I can honestly say that I, I, I really respect her for over the course of our lives. My mom was married to my dad all the way up until I was 16. They, they broke up when I was 15. And the divorce was finalized when I was 16. And the thing that I remember about my mom, the thing that I respect so much about my mom was that the entire time my mom and dad were married, my mom always worked two jobs. Uh, she took care because my dad was a bombish as well. My dad would get a job and he stayed there. Now, he had worked at Steinmark for many years, and then uh, Steinmark closed down, and then he just went into bomb. Like, he, after he sat down, he decided he liked sitting down. 
or what have you. So he would get a job. And I remember my mom and him would fight all the time about money. He would get a job and he quit or he'd get fired or, you know, he would just, he just didn't want to work. Um, so my mom always was trying to make sure that we had food. I can honestly say that. I don't know what we would have done if it wasn't for my mom. My mom made sure we had food. She worked. I mean, she, she, she bent over backwards um, to provide for her family. She bent over backwards to provide for her family. My dad ended up going back to Steinbrot at one point um, when they had, they opened an outlet. And I remember he was doing pretty good over there until they closed the outlet. That just seemed like to be the only job that he really wanted to work at. Um, because the first time I, I remember, I think they said he had worked there until, you know, for seven years. So that was the one time where he had a, a stint of working. But other than that, you know, he just didn't like to work. So I give her honor. You know, and like I said, I want to always make sure I give her honor because besides that, she was an amazing mom in so many ways. You know, she had her ways, but she was an amazing mom in so many ways. But when it came down to that, when it came down to men, her self-esteem was so low. She idolized men. Her self-esteem was so low. And I honestly think that when my dad, you know, got with her, she was 13 years old when they started dating. They had their first child when she was 18. Um, they had my brother when she was eight. Yeah, she was 18 she got pregnant with my brother when she was 18. I think she gave birth to him when she was 19. And then she gave birth to me when she was 21 years old. Um, I don't think that she had enough time to develop her emotional maturity. Um, and granted, my grandmother's self-esteem was, you know, not that great as well. So she didn't have the tools to, you know, to grow up, to become a healthy adult. I'm not making excuses for her. But when, when I asked the Lord to help me to forgive her, um, that's what the Lord showed me. He gave me a, he gave me insight into her childhood. He allowed me to go. He gave me a new perspective of her. He helped me to see, um, some of the stuff that she, she had gone through. And, you know, it's like, I'm expecting her to be a mom because I know based on what television says and based on the people I've been, I know what a mom is supposed to do. I know what a mom, you know, how they're supposed to act or what have you. And she's not doing all of these things. So as far as a provider, my mom was an excellent provider. My mom made sure that we ate. I don't care. I remember those times we didn't have food at home and my mom would go, she would find all these old purses of hers. I remember her dumping them on the bed and finding like, she'll find two pennies here, three pennies here. She would scrape up till she found found like a dollar and change she would borrow money but if she found a dollar and change we were good because we kept rice at the house um she found a dollar and change she would typically go to the store and buy a 50 cent pack of hot dogs and get a 50 cent loaf of bread and that was it you know we would eat that um that's all she needed was to find a little bit of what have you. so she was an amazing mom she was an amazing provider uh, but as far as being emotionally there, I don't think she was developed there in that area enough uh, to be there. And when we became adults, she reasoned within herself that, hey, even though these men are terrible, you know, these guys she was bringing in, they could be terrible or whatever. She reasoned within herself that, you know, we were adults. And so we we just needed to get out of the house or whatever. That was how, how she reasoned. Um, it was relatively sad because. She was an amazing person, and I knew that if she got the right guy, he would really appreciate her, but she just never did have that experience. So I've committed, you know, uh, to not having that experience with men. You know, I ended up, like I said, married twice. Um, first dude was abusive. Second guy was a cheater, Ahab, who allowed his sister to be abusive toward me. Now, she never put her hands on me because I would have rocked her. And I, I'm not saying that to be carnal. I'm just saying that, that at that time, I was a babe in Christ, so I would have I would have tried to kill that child. Um, but... We had, and we broke up because he brought witchcraft in the house. I found out that he, um, when he went to Africa, he came back with some stuff. So that was why we broke up. I had a really interesting life. 
I thank God for the life that I've had. Like I said before, I'm really grateful for the stories. I got plenty of more of those. I'm actually thinking about doing a podcast, maybe a secret podcast to just tell a lot of stories, just a lot of things that I've endured over the course of my life and how God has healed and brought me out of those things and really just showered me with his love. But I'm saying that to say, this is my message to those of you who are mothers. Go heal, please. God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else to be added to you. My mom never did that. Now, granted, we were growing up in Mississippi in this little city. And honestly, it was just religion. It wasn't most of the people that didn't have a relationship with God. It was just religion. Um, Not to go back in that. I am. I'm trying to say this. You need to have an intimate relationship with God. Number one. The only way to have an intimate relationship with God is to understand that he is his word. You need to study his word every single day. That's like if you're in a relationship with somebody, you want to spend time with them every single day. Currently, I am single. And so, yeah, if um I get with a guy, I'm going to want to spend time with him um every single day. If I'm talking to a guy, let's say if I, if I meet a guy next week, if we're getting to know each other, I'm, I don't need, need to physically spend time with him, but I would want to hear his voice every day. You know, I want to talk to him if we're trying to build something together, because, you know, if we get married, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be in the house every single day um, with one another. I want to hear. And so you got to understand that God wants to hear you and he wants you to hear him every single day. He hears you when you pray. You hear him when you're reading the Bible. He wants you to get to know him. You can't get to know him religiously. You can't get to know him by just getting up praying and going to church every Sunday. That's not enough. You got to get to know him by taking the word into your heart. And you'll be amazed because I think for me, when I when I started my journey, you know, of getting to know God, when I was trying to study the Bible, I, I kept thinking, oh, I was in a rush. Like, why? Well, I want to be one of those people that remember, memorize the scriptures. Uh, but over the course of time, I realized, you know, because I read the scriptures and as I'm reading, I'm forgetting as I go along where I thought I wasn't retaining that much. And I was like, dang, I don't even remember what I just read. Uh, but I would go back and reread it again, time and time again. But over the course of time, you know what? I found that the word was being stored in my heart. Because whenever I found myself needing that word, um, it would come up, it would bubble up and it would be something that would come out of my mouth on um, whenever I needed that word. I remember when I was married because of all the traumatic situations of my mom choosing men first. I remember this story and I'll get ready to close on this and send this to a friend. Send this to somebody who needs to hear this. You know, um, choose God first. You know, if you choose God first, he'll help you to put everything in the right priority and put everything, putting everything in the right priority. I will cause the wrong men to leave. But guess what? It sets the stage for the right person. Um, but I remember being married to my first ex and um, his son was living with us. And that was my baby. That was my baby. I consider even though, you know, I wasn't his mother. Um, that was my baby. He came to live with us when he was three years old. He was turning four um, when he came to live with us. Um, but that was my baby. And I remember this. He had a bunk, a bunk bed in his room. And my ex had a aunt who was not all that stable and she had two children her children were teenagers or what have you her son was 16 i think her daughter was like 18 or what have you um they lived in another town over like 20 30 minutes away but we lived in the main city you know so the people from that town would typically come to the city that i lived in one particular night is around 11 o'clock at night we get a phone call and my ex says up and he's like what and i can tell it's something you know something dramatic something crazy happened so I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? So he gets off the phone. He said, that was my mom. That was his mom. He said she had told him that the aunt had went to the movies with her son 
And this particular aunt, she, you know, she that was one of her things, men. She had t- gone to the movies with her 16-year-old son, taking her 16-year-old son to the movies, but she met a man at the theater. And she left her son at the theater. I guess she figured he'd be all right, but she left her son. So the son found a way um, to call my ex's mom. And he was like, I don't have anywhere. I'm, I'm at the theater. I'm stranded here. Um, I thought she'd come back. They're closing. I don't know where to go. So we lived around the, the corner from the theater. So my ex was like, I got to go pick him up. You know, and we're going to call him Jody. She was, he was like, I got to go pick up Jody. I was like, all right, go get him. You know, go get him or what have you. And I knew that that aunt was really toxic. She had had a lot of men around her kids. And I knew that consequently her kids were broken, right? Um, her son was 16 years old, but I knew he was broken. So probably about 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, I hear my ex coming in the house or what have you. I hear him coming. He, he did what he said he was going to do. He went around the corner. He got him. He bought him back. He comes. My ex comes, gets, gets, takes his clothes off and gets back in the bed and starts spooning with me. And I'm like, where's Jody? He said he's in and Junior's room, his son. He's like, he's in Junior's room. I said, what? He's like, oh, don't worry. Uh, Junior, I put Junior in the top, top bunk and Jody's on the bottom bunk. I thought about my childhood molestation. Doesn't matter what bunk you're in. You know, you're in a dark room with a whole or somebody that's broken, a whole dude or what have you. So I said, what? Well, and I sat up on the bed and my ex, he wrapped his arm around me. He was like, lay back down, baby. He's fine. Uh, he said, he's in the top bunk and Jody's in the bottom. And I said, go get my baby. And I really had a traumatic response in that moment. I said, go get my baby. And he was like, Tiffany, he's fine. He's sleep. He's in a top bunk. Jody's in. And I screamed at the top of my lungs, go get my baby. And he, he was like, okay, okay, okay. So he got up out the bed and he went into the room and he bought my step my stepson and he laid him in the middle between us or what have you. And I went sound asleep. That incident, when I woke up the next day, it spoke to me because I didn't think about it that night. I just went into mama mode. I went into this mode where I just wanted to make sure that my stepson was safe. The next day, that incident spoke to me. And what it said to me, you are not your mother. (laughs) You are not your mother. This is not even your blood son. And you love him this deeply. You love him this much. And to this day, even though I don't talk to my uh, former stepson, I don't even know the proper, you know, verbiage to use or or title to give him right now. And it's been probably about a year or so since I've, I've heard from him. But amazingly enough, he's a young man and he does reach out to me every once in a blue moon. You know, it was a little bit more frequent, but over the years, of course, it lessens over time. Uh, but he reached out to me and, you know, he, he asked me questions about girls and stuff like that. And, um, you know, t- he he thanked me for being I remember one particular time it wasn't necessarily a thank. I told him I'm really sorry when I found out he could sing because I had sent him a video of a little boy that reminded me of him. And a little boy was singing and I forgot that the kid could sing. And he was like, I used to get sound like that. And I was, and I felt bad in that moment because I realized, I was like, dang, we didn't use, like, we did nothing about that child's voice. He could sing. And I'm like, we didn't take him to church or nothing. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, you know, I should have been taking you to church. You should have been using your gift. And he said, no, no, no. He said, honestly, you were the best stepmother that anybody could have. You were the best stepmother that any, anybody could have. Um, another incident I think of is... Mother's Day one year he was like four years old four or five years old um he was in the first grade 
he comes home from others that he said, tip. That's what he called me. Tip. He said, cover your eyes. I'm laying in my bed. And I was like, what do you want? He was like, cover your eyes. I said, junior, what do you want? I'm not covering my eyes. He said, cover your eyes. I said, for what? And he's a practical jokester. So I was like, I don't know what the kid's up to. He's like, cover your eyes. I was like, and I was reading a book. I said, junior, I'm not covering my eyes. And he let out a sigh. He's <sighs> so he bends down, goes under the bed and he pulls out these paper flowers that he made in school. You know, this little bouquet made from paper from, and it's colorful. And I said, like, oh, thank you. He said, happy mother's day. He gave me a card and no, not too many people can make me cry, but that kid made me cry. And I was like, thank you so much, baby. And what have you. And, um, he gave me that gift and I thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. Then he turned around, probably, you know, he, he let me celebrate about 15, 20 minutes in and his dad was in there like, yeah, he was telling me he wanted to do that for you. All that. And I was like, I'm so, you know, I'm taking it back. So, um, after a while, you know, the excitement dies down. He, he lets out, he starts looking sad. I said, you okay. He said, at school, they only let us make one. He said, I told him I got two mamas, but they said we can only make one. He said, so I don't know what I'm going to give my mom for for Mother's Day. I said, don't worry, I got you. So I gave him some money and um, I said, let's go to the store. So um, we go to the store and we get his mother a gift or what have you. And that's not even the same story. Yeah. So we go to the store. That's the story. We go to get his mom again. Uh, the other story that I was thinking of that I was kind of mixing in was the time where his mom used to get him on the weekends. Uh, but some weekends, like she didn't come get him or what have you. But this one particular time, he would get really excited about his mom. And I remember he had called his mom. He called and she didn't answer her phone. You know, he was calling her on the house phone, calling her house phone. And he put the phone down. He had come home from school. He ran in. He was so excited. It was a Friday. And then he looked at me and he said, Tip, why my mama don't want me? Looks And it broke my heart when he said that. I said, she does want you. She's probably out buying you something. She loves you so much. She's, she's just out there buying you something. And I said, go in your room. Go ahead and get your clothes ready. And she's going to come get you, okay? Just go get your clothes ready. He said, yes, ma'am. So he goes in there. And I called his mom. I called her house. And then I called her cell phone. And I left her a voicemail. I said, hey. And I told her, I said, Junior just said, why doesn't my mom want me? I told him you were probably out buying him something. I said, do me a huge favor. Please come get him this weekend. Because I said, he really wants to spend time with you. Oh, what have you? And I said, if you can, stop and get him something. I'll give you the money back. But just stop and buy him something. And um, a few minutes later, probably about an hour later, she showed up. She didn't call me back, but she showed up at the house. And she had bought him something. And um, he came. He was like, Tip, you told me she was going to buy me something. You told me. He's jumping up in the joint. He's like, I said, go get your stuff. Go get your stuff. He's like, okay. And I remember why he was doing that. His mom and I, we had a moment. She looked at me and she mouthed, thank you. You know, and I was like, you're welcome. You're welcome. Love goes a long way, guys. It really does. Choose God. Choose your children. Don't you ever put a man before your children, a right man, even though he comes before your children, if he's married to you, he will never put you in a predicament where it feels that way. He will never make you feel like you have to choose. So if you come with the right guy, he will always take the position where he will put your children in the right position, even though he will bow down and not bow down, but step back um, so that you can mother. And he would also father your children. Don't let idolatry cause you to harm a bunch of beautiful children. Love on these children and always put God first and watch God move in your life. When everything, when God is first in your life, everything else flows into position. Otherwise, you will be a perpetual girlfriend, always with men who don't love you. Never knowing what it's like to be loved 
and you will hurt your children and they will grow up and in return, they will not want to have anything to do with you. And you're going to feel like, well, why don't my kids uh, care or call me? Why don't they help me? It's because when they needed you, you weren't there or you put them in a predicament where their 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 mental health or their lives um, were not in the healthiest place. I love you guys. I pray that this message helps you. I pray that it blesses you. Tag like 10 mothers and even the great ones. Just tag them um, because they probably know somebody that's not that great of a mother. Tag everybody you know um, and share this message because it's such a a pandemic in this world right now where mothers are out here putting their children um, in harm's way in an attempt to prove themselves to a man. Love you guys. And I'll talk to you soon.